Welcome to another episode of Small Time Songwriter. My name is Angel Corsi, and I'm, of course, your small time songwriter. Today is a bonus episode with uh, my friend Deborah Solo, which uh, you remember the part one interview we had? I felt like it was a really fun interview. I felt like uh, she was uh, just a very fun person to talk to, and she was very excited uh, to talk about her band and the projects and uh, Swallow Hill and all those great things. So check out that episode if you haven't already. But I just didn't feel like I'd got to to get to the meat to the to the part where um, I got to know uh, Deborah as an artist and as a writer. So that's why I'm doing this bonus episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to the show. So I'm with my buddy again, uh, Deborah Solo. Thank you for uh, doing the bonus episode. Um, I just felt like I didn't really get to get to know you, the artist. You were so like beaming with with uh, with kind words of your band and Chadzilla's and things like that. <laughs> And um, I think that's awesome, but I just, uh, I'm glad that you had a little extra time so that we can kind of really dive into you as the songwriter. Oh, thank you so much. I had so much fun the first time. You're such an excellent interviewer. I'm so flattered to come back and happy, happy to come back. So thank you. Great, great. And you're uh, once again at Swallow Hill, right? Where you do uh, teaching and all that? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I am right now. I'm in one of the, one of the bigger classrooms and um, yeah, so I get to, um, they graciously let me use their nice equipment, so a, I may as nice well perk. just do it before work. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice perk. Um, okay, so one of the things that I really wanted to uh, get to that we didn't get to last time was, um, you know, I, I had briefly tried to tried to get um, an idea of what your message was as an artist, and mm-hmm. you kind of, um, I, I think I steered that in the, in a little bit of the direction that I didn't mean to, which was like I tried to focus in so much more on the show and the message of the show and the experience of the audience. But what I was really trying to get to that um, I really want to know from you is, you know, as artists, we all feel like we have this thing that we have to say. And sometimes it comes from, um, you know, per project, sometimes like per album or per whatever's on our mind at the time of our life. But I wonder right now at this moment, what's Deborah Solo's message when she's creating her art? Like, what is she trying to say through her art? And what, it, what does she want to, to, for the world to know about her and her art with that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? Like, what is the message? That's an excellent question. I feel like um, for, our, for our newest project, and I do like to think of um, like uh, albums as a sort of themed and having a message to say. And right. we've definitely had different messages with our three albums, but with this album, it's definitely like a looking inward. And I think the message is like, like kind of putting myself on the spot with um, like, why can't I be myself? Mm. You know, kind of asking that question. Yeah. So, um, for example, in our new single, which is out now, Warning, it's kind of setting the tone for the whole album. Yeah. It's much more produced than our album we did previously, which is Not Your Daisy. And yeah. I think Not Your Daisy um, is, uh, the message of Not Your Daisy was a little bit more looking outward at other okay. things in my in my life or my bandmates' lives that are preventing us from, like, okay living up to our full potential well let's like, talk about that a little bit not your yeah. daisy what what was the um so you're saying that you were looking at where do you mean um uh just like external things that were preventing you from from what yeah i think it was me kind of and and with the help of my bandmates sort of pointing at issues in my life that i was resentful of specifically the song not your daisy is basically saying like hey i'm i'm not this sweet little 
girl for you to, you know, um, like basically objectify and, yeah. and make into either like your savior or your villain based yes. on the fact that I'm feminine. So like, I think um, the yeah. album kind of has a lot of moments like that too, where it's pointing at sort of the political climate and saying, you know, I feel like driftwood lost in the ocean. I have no power. And, you know, looking at the people who are judging us and just saying like, you know, basically like, how dare you judge us? So it's basically yeah, like a look. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> always interested. Outward. I'm always interested in those kinds of um viewpoints from from uh from artists like you because um like i have a lot of uh uh uh, uh you know a female identifying or women identifying uh, artists friends and and their songwriters and they always kind of it's something that is completely foreign to me as a as a fella which is like yeah. she they always express like the fan base gets very strange very fast it's like this thing that happens where either you're like objectified as like this sexual thing where you're like the cute person or the pretty person mm -hmm. that's that's the hot lady with the acoustic guitar right. or you get this um or you get this other part where they almost treat you like their mother or something that's like a motherly kind of like i you have to take care of me kind of like you owe me this and that and, and i don't know it's just like a weird like it seems like it's this constant battle between like can i just do the art stuff can i just be like your favorite artist do i have to be like also pretty for you and also you know uh charming or nice or listen to you ramble about your feelings because you're a oh, fan yeah. of mine you know what i mean yeah um, do you ever yeah. do you ever feel that way do you ever, have you ever oh, had that certain, certainly i mean and you see, you see it too like people you know and and maybe some fellas get this kind of attention as well but yeah. it's like you want to look nice for your show sure. but then if you show up and someone you know like you know a, someone comes up and has some expectation because you're carrying an amplifier in a dress and like they, they think yeah. like they got to say something about that and you're like yeah. well, this probably isn't going to go well like yeah. please don't make a comment like, like yeah <laughs> like but i i think also it's it's broader too like not yeah. just as a musician but just uh being you know, female in the world, I feel like, or being perceived. Yeah. It's like yeah. people have this expectation where like, I had a lot of guys come up to me, you know, early in my life and be interested until I opened my mouth and they realized, mm. Oh, you're a human. You're a person with opinions. Opinions. And I actually, I love people with opinions. Yeah, I think of that course. we should all yeah. say our opinions. Yeah. So, you know, not your Daisy has a lot of, and it, and it has some nice songs too about, sure, of you know, being able to, uh, who I'm safe with and who I'm not safe with is basically not your Daisy. Yeah, and, I love that. And, that's a that's a good concept because you could have just stayed in one direction, but you right, wanted to yeah. show the nuance of like, no, 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 I can be this also, but it just needs to be the person that I feel safe with. A absolutely. I, I think there, there was space for both. And yeah. in fact, the last song on the album is called right with me and it's about like just hanging out with your best friend and who awesome. you feel so right with and there's two songs on there and with lyrics inspired by moments with my children and i think there is space for for both things and i think that um with not your daisy we really were going for an authentic sort of acoustic warm sound and our uh audio engineer who's also our drummer mm -hmm. was really dedicated to to 
making every track something that we could recreate live with just the three of us. Nice. So he was like, I'm not going to add this bass part unless like I can play focus, this drum right. part with yeah. this bass part That's a cool at the approach. same yeah. time. Yeah. It was very cool. So, I mean, with the exception of a couple additional audio, uh, vocal tracks in the background of oohs and ahs that, you know, like some yeah. extra layering. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, we can pretty much do that album from start to finish exactly as it's recorded. So right, we right. were very proud of that. It's a very good example of what we can do live. I was also very excited that it has a very um, live sound and that like we we're not using auto tuning or digital mm -hmm. pitch correction of any kind oh, cool. in in not your daisy which we yeah. did use in real love because that was my first studio album yeah. and it's like oh should we do this i think we're supposed to do this like, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and um, then we realized we didn't need to but let's know? talk about the let's talk about the new single because yeah, the new single has a has one. a new message what's the yes, new message of, the, new of the new record yeah yes so the new message is more like um after all this finger pointing and finger wagging of <laughs> how you know you did this yeah. you did that yeah, um, and there's, this, yeah. there's some introspective songs on not your daisy as well for sure, sure. but um the new album is um incredibly introspective where mm -hmm. it's putting the pressure on the narrator of the song me usually yeah. um to say well what what's happening in me to prevent me from just being myself in the world mm. in my most authentic yeah. way yeah and i think it's a really universal like concept I, that my bandmates can connect to as well and speak to because everybody grows up having this balance of being themselves and fitting in. And sometimes yep. it's for self-preservation and sometimes it's for like, um, and, and sometimes like, people really do lean into their weirdness and you may see them as someone who like is like really themselves, but yeah. we don't know what kind of like things they're holding right. that they're yeah. too scared to say out loud because they're yeah. afraid they're going to be rejected. So right. I really do believe that everyone kind of has, and, and maybe like just growing up in the nineties, like it yeah. especially felt like there was only one way to be like, yeah. I felt like I was walking on a tightrope where if I just, do one toe out of balance i am going to plummet to the ground and yeah there's that, a there's a cultural yeah. pressure part thing that happens also oh with all definitely that definitely and especially just, growing up in a small town where everyone is watching your every move or at least that's how it felt to me yeah 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 and that's you know that's amazing living um, up to high expectations <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i think a lot of people do relate to that i love that you have uh um this process where it has kind of like you have the previous record that is focused on the external things that are in your opposition and then you start working your way through it. It's, it's very human. It's like something that we all do. So. First, first we identify all the things wrong with society and then we start <laughs> going inward and say like, oh, well, there are some things that I, maybe I'm, I'm, I need to work on. So I'm that responsible I can, for this. So, yeah, yeah. So that I can, <laughs> I can respond correctly to the societal thing that's happening also at the same time. Um, so warning does have, uh, I can feel the nineties in it. I can feel that Oh, cool! Yeah. sort of like, yeah, that was, it was very, it's a very cool vibe and it has like, uh, it's not like so throwback that it feels nostalgic or anything, but it just, you can kind of feel that, um, that generation, you know, you can feel the generation. Though. Thank you. I take that as a total compliment. Yeah, you should. I yeah. Yes, I think um, um, my and my uh, like my bandmates are really bring more perspectives too because my cellist is a um, handful of years younger than me and my uh, drummer is a handful of years older than me. So oh, we right. can really bring a lot of yeah. a lot of overlapping perspectives. That's about, cool. That's cool. Yeah, 
and more in common than not, honestly. I was going to say, too, the production of Warning I'm so excited about because we really just uh, threw that idea out the window of we have to be able to perform it live. Yeah. And let's go ahead and produce the heck out of this just right. to get the song we want to get. So I am legit like yelling in the background. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed it or not. I it's, did. I, I did. Oh, good. It's I think good. it's pretty subtle. I, to me, it felt really like, um, like obvious. I was like, oh no, I'm like yelling. I'm expressing my feelings, <laughs> but it's just a texture in the yeah. overall layering. And it was so freeing to be, it was, it was very freeing to just say, let's just produce this the best that it can possibly sound and really lean into the recording of it as yeah. its own art form, which of course the, my drummer is steering the ship on that and sure. he's the genius behind that element of it. Yeah. But I really trust what, what we're doing as yeah. a group and I, I think, and I'm excited about the album. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. Um, I, I personally like my, my thought process on, on, art which is what we're doing really is yeah. is just uh, to treat every record um a bit like your own um, art exhibit and sometimes Absolutely. it's not about like replication i think sometimes we get caught up as uh songwriters and artists and musicians and stuff that we get sort of caught up with the technical we want to do the we're, we're, we get caught up in the technical with our guitar playing, with our transitions, with our live set, and and with our songwriting, we get caught up in the technical that sometimes we lose track of the fact that like we're artists and we're just making art and sometimes the album is just the art and the live I experience is a different kind of art that's coming yes. off of the album. And I think that we have to really uh, embrace the freedom of knowing that when an audience goes to see you, they're there to see your humanity, not your record. So they, yes, the record called them to see you, but, they, but they're there to see you as a person. So yes. it doesn't need to sound like the record. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely, it, yeah. absolutely. And in even like letting ourselves go crazy with the production has given us ideas for how we can yeah. do kind of weirder stuff live that right. we wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah, so exactly. So if you get caught up in the technical. The other can inform yeah. the other can inform the other so exactly it's like this never-ending cycle of yeah. so, like so do you think so you think you learned that when you were um uh approaching the new record do you think that maybe that was like a new a new uh lesson that you can put in your back pocket that's sort of like oh this is this is supposed to stand alone however i want it to stand alone and i don't need to worry about what the logistics are it's just about oh, Definitely. I, I feel like, and we're still in it. We're still working on the new album. It'll probably be available for listeners um, later this year or very early 2024 at the latest. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify that, but I actually feel like I had this idea of a song existing in different forms when I was helping coach songwriting. Because I think sometimes I, I have to tell students like, you know, your song can always exist just as it is right now. And it's in its purest, most raw form, you can save this version. Mm -hmm. But if you want to apply it to like a, a more professional sound or something that's more conventional, yeah. you know, that an audience will be able to track with you. It may sound like, you know, it's going to become sort of a new thing. Yeah. But I always say you can keep what you have. Like there's that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, that way we can kind of like say, it's it like if you- the freedom. Yeah. And I actually use that analogy of making a masterpiece like a piece of art. I'm like, it's like if you were to paint something and then you realize, oh, you know, you grew as an artist and you realize oh, 
technically I could have done this shadowing better, then in, instead of just painting over what you have, paint a new one yeah. that's a replica and see if you like it better. And if not, you can show this one in the show. And if you like this one, show that one in the show. Yeah. I think people have a hard time saying like, oh, if I change this one word, yes. you know, they get scared. So I think that kind of helps to yeah. say like it can exist as more than one thing. Yeah, I run into that also. I actually use, oddly enough, I use a very similar metaphor about the painting, except mine is slightly tweaked because what I say is, um, uh, you know, if you look at it, if you, uh, at the Smithsonian or whatever, if you look at the art that's there, when they x-ray it, they see the art from before. So oh, you're painting cool. over, you're painting over something that you have, but you always have what you had. It's always been there. It's just buried beneath whatever you decided to do. So you don't ever have to have Ooh, that the would, fear. I, that would make some good lyrics, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah, <we> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, but you just don't have to be afraid to to add some, you know, to like Bob Ross the thing and be like, I'm gonna put yeah. some, I'm gonna put some <laughs> birds here. You know what I mean? The 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 painting's Absolutely. always there. You're the one that created the painting. You know? Um, yes. So let me ask you this. As you approach these new songs and uh, approach the new record and you're thinking about the new message of um, allowing people to, um, I don't know, how, how would you how would you say this? Uh, allowing people to um, embrace their, their secrets and just like let yeah. them be who they are fully. Um, yeah. What would you say is um, like how does this uh i guess how does this affect your approach to your music career now moving forward like thinking of yourself oh, in this way you know that's what a good is, question what is the what is do you guys have a design that you're thinking of are you thinking in the sense of you know because i i'm i'm, I'm writing songs right now and for me my my thing right now that i'm on is this sort of uh idea of identity as a as a like a racial kind of thing like uh, this mm -hmm. like americanized assimilated kind of american living that's not you know just the average white middle class person or whatever and i think that um i i i've noticed that it in, in permeates like where i want to go moving forward in my career where i'm just like oh i need to have these conversations because one they they fulfill me as an artist but two i think it's just like important for me to be somebody that is doing this while i have this on my mind so i'm just kind of figuring out trying i'm wondering Absolutely. where you're at on that and it sounds like it might affect like what audience you draw to yourself as well yeah like, definitely yeah. Are interested in this question and these yeah these ideas sure i think that like for for us right now like um, I think I said on the show last time, like my whole goal is just to write the best music I can possibly write. Mm -hmm. So it's more like a test of myself is like, how, how deep can I go? I think, and, um, and how that affects the trajectory of like my music career probably won't change that much because honestly, like <laughs> you're what I've noticed yeah. is yes, like I could, I could be getting ready to sing on, on a stage mm -hmm. and like, I could tell myself like, oh my God, I'm about to sing about something that I used to be scared to even put into writing in a journal. Like, yeah. like how am, how can I do this? Like, I'll get this feeling of fear. Mm -hmm. But then of course you remember that like, well, it's, it's not really so obvious. And there's this like buffer of being with other bandmates yeah. and people are doing their own thing. And then you realize you play the song 
and nobody was even listening. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was ordering a beer. They're having fun. Yeah. They thought the hook was nice. They like right. what we're doing. They they don't care. They don't yeah. care what I say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, there's a lot of element to that. I um, so I don't know if you're on Threads. I know you're not a social media person, but on not threads, so much. No, I usually I, yeah. I've been using Threads as more as like my my soapbox to tell terrible jokes mostly. And oh, one that's of them, great. <laughs> Now well, you're going to have to lay one on me. Now yeah, you're well, one of them was just kind of like, uh, but it was related to this is why I bring it up because um, mm. one of the things I said was the, the best part about being a, uh, a small-time songwriter or an indie musician is that um, if you perform badly, nobody cares because nobody cares. Because <laughs> you know? no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but, uh, oh, no. but I oh, think no. that, um, I think that's what I mean is like, there's, it's interesting as artists, as songwriters, we write these songs and they feel absolutely terrifying to us. And then they, we realize we're just like a drop in the, in the pond, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it makes a difference. The waves happen and it connects with somebody, somebody hears it and, and yes, knows what absolutely. you're talking about, but and I know mostly, you're listening, you know, yeah, like, yeah. there are people out there who are going to listen and give you yeah. the time of day. Yeah. And sometimes you get those like um, shows where you're in a listening room or right. it's a concert setting and people right. are really tuning in. But yeah. even then I think um, like, then I'm happy that I went so deep. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I'm exactly. always happy I did it in the end. That's, and a, perfect I think, way, that's a perfect yeah. way to say it. It's empowering on both ends. It's empowering that you can just have the freedom to do it because you don't have yes. to stress so much about what people will think. But also yeah. when they do pay attention, you did the diligence to to get them yes. the real message. You know, I think that's absolutely a really cool thing. Um, so you're, you're also a writer of novels and yes. uh, you write novels. Uh, how many books have you written now? I have written six complete full draft novels. That is insane. <laughs> Thank you. And I and I only started like really, really. I always wanted to do this, but I I could never get past like page, you know, one hundred in my right. in my manuscripts. I just sure. gave up because I I was a beginner, and I didn't really know how to get better at it until I read some books that were sort of in the genre that really inspired me. Where I thought, oh, I'm you know I'm not. Uh, writing literary novels, I'm writing commercial fiction, and like, oh, well, I'm just need to read stuff the way I want to write stuff, and yeah. just start listening to literary podcasts or writing podcasts, and yeah. take a couple of classes. And in like April of 2019, um, coincidentally, I had done a lot of therapy leading up to that, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'm ready to write my book. Yeah. So I wrote a fiction YA novel. Um, and then um, quickly realized, I, I wrote it, the first draft very fast and then realized it was going to take a long time of editing. And they sure. call it your training grounds novel is your first novel where you are like, oh, wait, this is how you write, like right, after right. you've written the first draft. Yeah. So I probably did 30 plus drafts of that book with submitting it to critique partners, wow. getting feedback back and hiring an editor, you know, with the little money I had to read sure. the first 10 pages and let yeah. me know what they thought. And I, I really learned a lot. There's a lot of free information out there, just like songwriting, where you yeah. can listen to a lot of podcasts like this one, mm -hmm. get inspired. And then um, I, I worked on that book for about a year before I went out to agents and I did not get an agent for that book because <laughs> I didn't know at the time that if you write a book for teenagers that's technically considered historical fiction because it took place in the 90s, oh, it's a very hard really sell. Strange. Yeah, <laughs> that's really strange. Yeah, that's really strange. make you feel old. It's like, yeah, oh. yeah, a little so, bit, yeah. Yes, and, um, and the... 
and the criteria is different for adult novels. Mm-hmm. For adult novels, um, it has to be um, far enough in the past that um, that it's outside of the lifespan of most adults reading the book. But for, um, for teenagers, that actually fits that criteria because they weren't even born in the nineties. Sure. So it's like sure. okay, that is that's historical that's, fiction. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Wow. <laughs> and for a debut um, writer or debut author like me, who mm-hmm. never had anything published. Um, it can be very, very, very challenging to get an agent. Um, it can take years. You it, and it's just a process where um, agents are getting something like you know, on average, maybe four hundred que- new queries in their inbox per month. Wow! And they they have to say no to basically everything because sure. they even if they request to read the full manuscript. I've had a lot of requests over the years, which has been very encouraging and very great. <laughs> That's good. But um, to offer representation, it has to be more than just a great book. It has to be more than just excellently written, in fact, and not saying that I'm necessarily excellent, but it has to be more than a five-star book on paper. They also have to have this heart connection with it and be willing to commit to reading it many, many, many times and helping you edit it. Yeah. And um, they don't get paid until you get paid. Oh, I see. And they they can only sign maybe four four new authors a year tops mm-hmm. that would actually be a lot i think yeah. so out of like the thousands of <laughs> of people saying hey do you want to represent me they can yeah, take it on sounds so a lot like the music industry so yes yeah it's very <laughs> it's very interesting it's very interesting how you uh you sort of uh jump from one heartbreak industry to the next one <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. I it's funny though. I feel like I have a little more control over um the author path to sort mm-hmm. of like professional publication because with music, there's so much that goes into it as yeah. far as like you're really selling yourself. Yeah, and there's your an image quality and to you've it. Got, yeah. You've got the face and yeah. I, it's like and I'm getting older. It's like, how how fresh are you? Like, yeah. and like, do you appear? But when you're an author, you can be as anonymous as you want to be. Right. And there are people who publish their debut author when they're in their 80s. And yeah. there's far fewer people who who get discovered as a musician yeah, as they what, get older. Right, so right, just, right. That's why the back of the novel. Off. Yeah, that's why the back of the novel always has like a black and white daisy or something, and it's yeah, <laughs> somebody that yeah. lives in a cabin somewhere in Montana. And <laughs> right, if they if they want to be anonymous, they can be. But yeah. uh, very very few musicians can pull off being anonymous because there's sort of like a like forward facing yeah, there, element. You don't, yeah, it's almost it's there's just really no choice nowadays. Pretty much, it's yeah. like you're gonna you can't be mysterious anymore as much as you as you Not, would like. I, I mean, someone could probably get away with it, but yeah. I probably can't. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> And I feel like with writing too, there's your personality so big anyway. You don't want to be keeping that in the inside. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see myself um, really enjoying um, including music with my author presence if I am able to get a book published in the future. Yeah, I think there's lots of songs that sort of inspire the books. Two of the books have characters who are musicians and are songwriters, and I've written songs from their perspective that oh, cool. are described in the book. It's so fun. Yeah, that's and, what I was going to ask you, is how yeah. does uh, your author brain connect with your songwriter brain, and how does it benefit or maybe oh, not benefit? Deeply connected. I would say it's all been beneficial so far, because okay. I think that when I dig into the themes of things I want to sing about and write about, oftentimes that sort of inspires like what's 
what what is the message I really wish I had when I was a teen, if I'm going to be writing books for teen that just was not represented in characters I saw on TV that I I can give that to the world yeah. now, maybe. Yeah. So it's it's like, what what did I need to hear? A lot of my novels yeah. really come down to where do I belong? I think every author and every songwriter is trying to crack the same nut. I think that's yeah. what you're hitting on earlier. Yeah. But it's like, what's the message? I think the question that I'm always trying to answer is, do I belong? Who do I belong with? Where do I belong? Why don't I belong? Right. And it all comes down to belonging. And yeah. I think writing fiction, which is very, for me, writing novels has been very long form and, um, like you you get like 350 pages you know to tell this right. long story but it's really very similar to to writing an album and mm -hmm. each chapter is like its own song and yeah. what's the emotion i'm drawing out what are you know how can i evoke this because in music you don't have time to explain anything it's all you true. have time to yeah. do is evoke yep. so it's really helped me be a stronger fiction writer because i'm not just trying to like tell you how to feel i'm trying right. to evoke that emotion i love that so you're kind of a you're exploring your uh you're exploring your inner world through uh characters that you create and stuff like that absolutely it's, and trying right. to almost rewrite the past or do a little bit of wish fulfillment too yeah, of like yeah, what yeah. would be fun what yeah. did i not get to experience right. in this life that i really want to just have fun and experience so there is an element of like a little bit of escapism yeah um, that's great one of my books in particular um the one that uh, i most is like the most recent polished draft because i do want to clarify even though i've written six complete full draft novels two of them are only in like that first draft state of that's like okay awesome. i'm probably never gonna sell this well let's put it aside for now gonna, yeah and like come back <laughs> to it when sure. it's more efficient to just be self-indulgent and write something yeah. for me yeah um so but uh, but for three of them truly i i did the full year of polishing mm -hmm. and trying to go out to agents and like for various reasons um like i've i've gotten so close like yeah but I mean, i'm not there like, yet <laughs> that's any creative industry you know you get so close you know i yeah. i just um i think it kind of touches on something that i'm that i think is uh would be relevant to to like what the podcast is about is we we get so caught up in um sometimes we get really caught up in the personal part of the songwriting and we mm. tend to forget that we can find we can still find the truth if we're just exploring characters and protagonists oh, and all that. And I think that there's a misconception that if you don't write um, just about your own experience, you're not being truthful or genuine or something. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good concept. I think about that all the time. Because I think when I was, um, so before I got my music ed degree, I got a degree in English when I was right out of high school. And I remember mm -hmm. doing some creative writing courses and really feeling like they were each very different. Like sometimes like they were really supportive, amazing communities. And sometimes they were a little more cutthroat. And like, mm -hmm. I even had someone just like fully be extremely rude to me in one of them. Right. Um, but wow. like, I'm sure you understand like <laughs> yeah. when you go into a songwriting circle or any yeah. kind of like collaborative songwriting environment, or even when you're the teacher, you yeah. notice different groups have different vibes. And yes. Um, but anyway, I think um, you're right about the I'm different losing, groups and different vibes. <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I've losing track a little bit, but as far as like um, what they taught me and what I kept hearing was, um, when you write something, even if it's autobiographical, there is always going to be a slant of fiction to it because our memories 
make up stories for us. Right. And there's, we, we only have our own perspective. So I really, I really took that and rolled with that with my songwriting at the time, even as an early, you know, songwriter in my, you know, 19, 20, 21, and just saying like, yes, this isn't exactly how it happened or that's okay, but this is the emotion that's tumbling out of me. And these yeah. are the words that will evoke this feeling. So for me, it was more about being true to, the experience and not necessarily true to the facts, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that's the that's really the gem. I mean that's really the this the thing is like you said this perfectly earlier. It's uh, songwriting is evoking. You have to evoke a, a, a response, you know. And I think that um, yeah, you could write a song about like everything that you did exactly how it was done, but it's gonna be pretty boring song. You know, it's gonna be right. it's gonna be you know. I mean, what is it really gonna be? I woke up, I got out of bed, I put my shoes right. on, I walked down the steps. And you I know think what I mean? People when they write their first songs, I don't know if you've noticed this with um, beginner songwriters. I feel like they always want to show everybody's perspective on the issue yes and i'm like i don't i'm like you don't have to be fair to anybody else just yeah be, there's just a be there's fair a he said and one said perspective and then, yeah, yeah, yeah and then it gets too convoluted i'm like that's yeah. another song give that give that character a voice in a different song in this song just stick to right. this one mindset like right. I just and just yeah. grab onto it and don't let go yeah and i like, try to tell people okay. yeah i try to tell people too <laughs> yeah. like um you know my one of my professors he told me um songwriters are the best liars Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what we do. We lie. We lie because we we're trying to get to the truthful part, but the truthful part is an emotional part. It's not a scientific part. So you just don't, oh, it's yes. not mathematical. So we we're trying to, to, to use, um, uh, you know, very hyper fixated language so that we can kind of express the feeling that we're trying to say, you know, I always tell people, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen never worked in a fucking factory, man. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like, it's like, but people, but people love it because he understands the experience because he got to yeah. the emotional part of it, you know. Time for an ad break. I'm going to be doing these from now on, so I hope you get used to it. I'll keep it pretty short. I want to talk to you about Firehouse Art Center, which is a nonprofit art center committed to exhibiting thought-provoking art created by local, regional, and national artists. I'm just reading from their website. Um, through our new, uh, through their no fee admission gallery and outreach art classes. This is where I come in. I'm a new Firehouse Art uh, Center member and I focus on singer-songwriters. So one of the things that I teach out of the FAC is uh, Songwriter Breakthrough, which is my uh, seminar for small-time songwriters, for performing songwriters. We go over topics from stage presence to, uh, you know, the micro music business uh, tips here, you know, practical tips that I've learned along the way, um, touring and performing all over the place. Um, also, we go over, of course, songwriting, and we go over tech skills like running your live soundboard and learning how to uh, do live mixing in an effective way that helps your art, that shares your message. And that's the most important thing. You know, I never try to focus on here's a quick scheme to uh, get rich or a way to make your hobby or your art a career. I focus on how can we be the most effective with the tools that we have um, in the stage that we're at. So all levels are welcome from pro to amateur to hobbyist. Um, but I will say my seminars are taken pretty seriously. It's almost on a collegiate kind of um, uh, 
advanced learning um, system. So you want to make sure that uh, if you're joining the seminar, it's because you're really into it and you're really trying to to make a real hard go at this. Okay, so let's get back to the show. Yeah. So okay. So we were talking about uh, how we're excellent liars. And <laughs> yes, yes. I was. I'm glad you returned to that because. Um, as you were talking, I was going to say, I really love this contradiction of having to tell the truth through a well-crafted, beautiful lie, yeah. <laughs> and also this idea of something that can be deeply personal, but it's only good if it's completely universal. Right. So it's like That's true. we're looking yeah. for these specific details that are so specific that they're universal. I love and that. Let's explore that. Yeah, tell me more. Yeah. Well, I, th I think that there's like this idea of like, it's so true that the only way to describe it is through a fictional way to say it. And yeah, the, it's yeah. like, it can be so personal that the only way to describe it is through making it universal. Right. So I think those are the really successful songs when, you know, like for me, in my mind, I'm singing about my daughters and what I hope for them and what I want for them. And, um, and then for everyone in the audience, we're, we are clapping and they're thinking about the people in their lives that they want to mm -hmm. lift up. That's and right. it's like, we're, we're all having this experience where we're having, it's like, you feel that way, I feel that way too. And right. But they're not thinking about my kids, they don't even know me. So it's it's really interesting how... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and how I think, it takes a lie to get to the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting that, um, it, don't you find it also interesting that like you can make the mistake of making a song too vague? also which oh. is like it's interesting it's like uh, if you if you go too vague with your um with your song and it's uh you know we sure i think this is just my personal belief mm -hmm, but like i mm -hmm. think there's like a myth in this um sort of like oh i'm avant-garde mysterious guy so i'm never gonna yes. tell you what the ending is i'm gonna christopher <laughs> nolan the song every time you know and i think that you guess. Yeah, yeah and i think that's that's appropriate in the terms of every piece of art is a guideline and sometimes you break the rules yes. and things like that but mm -hmm. most of the time red paint is a red paint and you're going to use red paint and yes. i think i think it's interesting how how often we as songwriters and creators of 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 songs we we hide behind these little things we do these little yes, like I, we say I like say... i'm I, I try to keep it vague because i want to keep it vague for the mystery it's like is that why or yes. is it because you don't want to get to the real thing that you're trying to say absolutely yeah. this is i had a conversation with a student about something quite like this because yeah. i think this student really didn't want to tell their audience what what the story was or what to think and i said that's all completely fine but i think that if you know what it means that will make all the difference so right and that that student's story aside just for everyone as a generality i think that like if you're singing something and yes the lyrics are vague i think it it can really work mm -hmm. if the songwriter still has like a really specific intention behind yeah. those lyrics however That's a good if point, they're yeah. just like writing stuff that comes to them that sounds good yeah there's a little bit of that disingenuous like like isn't this so vague yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to like sort of subliminally reach the audience member yeah. and so you I can think, always I mean, feel it too you can always feel I think it so especially when you're in a class if you're like in a meetup or a class and someone says what's this line about and you don't have an answer for it it's probably because you were just picking the vowels that sounded good with your voice you know yeah and i i personally like really strongly prefer it when someone has a reason for that word yeah even if they're the only ones who understand it right yeah I, 
it's like, we're just talking about that yeah. about how like the artist has uh we have like these things that only we care about or we think yes about. yeah before was, the interview started we yeah before the interview i was, I was saying how long. but i think it's the intention behind it that comes through i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no no, no go ahead no no you're the you're the you're the guest you talk you do the talk no 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 like so yeah but you you were saying how you chose sort of like a specific sound for yeah yeah album yes yeah, so when and i did why you did it yeah. yeah so when i did fabula i um i specifically made it sound uh immature and like adolescent i made the recording not sound so like uh produced and mastered and i made yeah. sure i used the guitar that sounded most um like uh like uh, uh i don't know what the word is tangy <laughs> Just like yeah, something that, that just doesn't, yeah, <laughs> just something that didn't sound as full bodied as like, say, one of my more expensive guitars. And, and I, and I did it on purpose because I felt like it was part of the story to share songs in that sort of, uh, with that palette, you know, and I, I love and, that so much. And I think that's cool. Like, I think that's, um, something that as songwriters we have to remember that we're we're creating art and art comes from wanting the audience to experience it but also we need to get an experience out of it as well absolutely and, and those kinds of things matter it's the same thing with you and uh you, you were talking on warning about how you were yelling and stuff like that yeah like that, <laughs> that is an example of like did the yelling have to be in there deborah like no it was <laughs> like deborah's like yeah it had to be in there but did anybody else could be like maybe we put trumpets or something you know what i mean exactly so. it's because of these choices we make and the intention behind the choices because it sounds like especially with your example um you were trying to evo evoke a specific palette you said like an auditory yeah. palette of what you would consider immature or what other people might even consider more like authentic or raw or less produced stripped right. down and it's all sort of like um, even if we're playing for listeners who might not think that deeply about what they're listening to, it comes through subliminally. And I think yeah. it's the intention people respond to and that like willingness to, to care so much. So we're not just like slapping it together. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. coming from a place of, from the heart. So, yeah, I think we all have yeah. to remember that because we have this, um, uh, this kind of gets to our social media question of the day, but, but oh, sure. we, we have this, uh, thing that goes on in this industry of ours where we just have to, uh, stop being innovators and we have to just focus in on whatever everybody else is doing and that's mm. the way to get the attention you get the eyes oh. on you if you kind of follow the same thread and the same path as everybody else because it's already paved and it's familiar and the audience knows it and the audience rec recognizes it and a lot of the audience um experiences music through that method so i wonder with you as you explore this kind of thing where you're feeling intentional you're feeling like an artist you're you're, you're doing that how do you balance that with say the uh, social media life and trying to be trying to keep up with that part of your career because it's one of those things where like um i go back and forth i sometimes hate social media and just want to stay away from it <laughs> but mostly yeah. i enjoy it because um, i've gotten to a place where i do it in the way that i want to you know um, yeah. So do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Like, what are the obstacles and things like oh, that? Oh, that's such a good question. It's so relevant to today's. I, You know, I, I feel like I'm not that, like, knowledgeable about social media, but I make an attempt, especially if we have a big show coming up or an album release. I'm going to, 
use that as part of my toolbox where, mm -hmm. yes, I'm going to send the email like to my tried and true email list of all yep. the students I've ever taught. And it's like, if you don't want to receive this email, you can let me know. But yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you yeah. probably wanted the email. So, yeah. Anyway. I think on my, on my mailing list, I said, uh, at my, at the bottom of my, uh, my newsletter, I, I usually put something like, are we breaking up? Do we yeah, are break? we breaking up? Unsubscribe? Yeah. I honestly, I send so little communication that I'll be like, oh, we have a show this Thursday. Like, oh, it's already Monday. Should I send an email? <laughs> nah, I'm not going to bother. It's yeah. like, I'll just save it for the big ones. Yeah, but yeah, sure. I, I think um, I'll use Facebook and Instagram to like sort of make announcements or I like to sometimes feature something cool we're doing in the recording studio. And then if, if people see it, I'm, that's great. If they don't, that's okay too. I can also, I for the when warning came out, I sent um, many just individual text messages to people and using it as an excuse to say like, hey, how are you? Like, yeah. and say, you know, and, and here's the copy paste portion of why yeah. I'm reaching out, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they're interested. They're, they, I, I, you know, I'm reaching out to many people who've supported me over the last you know 20 years or more mm -hmm. who want to know about my music and yeah. i think there's part of me that feels shy like i don't want to bug people how do you but, get how do you get um yeah. what kind of advice do you give to someone that's um struggling with that because i i you know we have a uh, mutual friends and all that and mm -hmm. and uh some of the songwriters that i talk to um they talk about like this uphill struggle of uh, getting one fan at a time and building up the mailing list and all that. And, and they love, they understand the concept of you build this relationship, you send out that email, you try to be honest when you say, how are you? And you try to be honest when you say, this is the copy paste portion of the text right. message today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. I always say like, just letting you know, this is uh, something I'm sending out to everybody, but also how are you doing? You know? Um, yes. But um, so they understand that that's like the right, probably the right framing for everything but they don't know how to get from that that crevice from yeah. a to b you know what i mean that one that says like no fans mailing list send to 20 people or whatever what do you say to that how do you get that how do you get by that little canyon that's honestly really hard. I think when someone's first starting out, you've you've got to put in the legwork to go to the open mic nights and meet people who are also writing songs and do those shows where you you are walking up to people during your intermission and introducing yourself and doing the shaking hands. I mean, I think that but once you're an established songwriter, it can feel like oh my gosh, like haven't I have I not graduated from yeah, you know the that's the, a that's first excellent yet. point. Yes. I I have these conversations with so many of my friends and they all have that same reaction. Like, how have I not figured this out yet? You know, like you're being yes. left behind. And it's hard. I feel like people forget about you too. If like, oh, I used to see that person at my shows and now mm -hmm. haven't seen them for a while. I feel kind of bad reaching out just to tell them about a show when yeah. I don't have time in my personal mm -hmm. life to go grab a coffee. So it's like, yeah, it can, it's like you don't want to feel disingenuous. So I, I think that like, um, for me, I'm a little spoiled because as a teacher, a lot of my students are very interested in what I do. So sure. if they show an interest in like, oh, you're, and you play in a band, because, yeah. you know, we talk about singing and songwriting and performing, and they know that this is part of my life. So yeah. oftentimes my students sort of have a natural interest in what I do. And it's so gratifying to play for students because I get to kind of showcase like, this yeah. is what I've been telling you to do. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. That's I have a cool. funny story about that actually. Sure, where... Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> um, so I always tell my students like, no matter what, 
You don't stop in the middle of your song. You never, ever stop. Like if you're performing, you commit to it. And I also say, try not to apologize. Try not to make, you know, show up and say, I'm sorry, I've had a cold. Like, don't worry about it. Just do your best and don't put it in the audience's mind that there's any reason why you're not giving the best performance. So it was hilarious. I I did a a show. It was a really fun backyard concert series with my band. And we had um, everybody show up. The host invited so many people and people were so generous in their donations. And that's how the artists get paid for this kind of thing. And it was was just such a beautiful experience because people are really listening they've come they've brought Mm -hmm. their picnic blankets and their chairs and they are they're they're listening to every word and those are the most rewarding shows so i had a student come Mm -hmm. i was so excited that my student was there too and a couple of my friends who made the long drive up from highlands ranch to denver i'm so grateful because it's always more fun to play for people who really know you Mm -hmm. but i literally swallowed a bug (laughs) as i was singing i there were these mosquitoes swarming me and I was like just keep playing don't don't swat them away and as I took a deep inhale a bug flew like a tiny little gnat flew straight (laughs) into my mouth and I aspirated on the bug I felt it like tickle my um my epiglottis which is the very back of your tongue and I knew that it had probably gone into my trachea um which is a terrible feeling is what you're trying to tell me right now Yes, I'm big on anatomy. I'm yeah, big on the yeah, science yeah, of yeah, the voice. Yeah. So as I'm singing, I like I went like <clears throat> I'm like did one of those sounds where it's like oh my god, and like I had to just keep singing, and there was this silent spot in my voice. So I, this is so gross. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's this okay. It's a gross it's great, story. It's great. But I was like oh my god, this bug is probably like on my vocal fold. That's and it, funny. It's like, but I I sang. I sang the best I could, and then I wasn't even gonna say anything about it. But yeah. the two women in the front row, um, one of which is. Uh, the girlfriend of our drummer, who's a uh-huh. trained singer and sure. um, a professional singer, she said, she just said, like, I know you swallowed that bug. <laughs> she, but she was like, you kept singing. She yeah. was like clapping for me. And then yeah. they kind of had to tell the audience, like, excuse me. And there's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and the cool thing was that I, I kept singing. We were, all, we were only at like the third song in the set, too. <laughs> I kept singing. There's something weird in my voice. It was yeah. not quite right. right. But I did my best. I and I, I didn't let it ruin my fun and yeah. my opportunity. I yeah. wasn't like, I'm sorry, I have to stop. Like, yeah. no, I was like, I'm gonna be a little scraggly. I just coughed really hard on my instrument. Yep. Like something feels kind of not right. Sure. And then at the end, I was able to tell my student, like, see, like, I, I was totally embarrassed. <laughs> I yeah. literally saw a bug in front of everyone, yeah. and like, I didn't have my voice be 100% after that like it yeah. felt like I was working with like a 75% and yeah. like but I I've sung along enough that I can sing yeah. over those kind of yeah troubles. you can accommodate and right yeah it can be a little a little scraggly but I'm hitting the notes I'm leaning on my band members to sing harmonies with me sure and the best part though was I could tell my student like I didn't stop and he was like oh my god like he's like I didn't even realize it was that big a deal That's he was great. like you were acting like it was no big deal like no this was a huge deal I'm so embarrassed like <laughs> this is so gross like, so good but um, I think it, it's so fun. So you know, is that constitute topic now? No, no, that's great. <laughs> I wanted to ask you this anyway. Is it? I'm always fascinated with people's uh, best and worst gigs. Anyway, so yeah, we were going to talk about is that. that. Is that one of the? Is that one of the worst? Or do you have one that's worst? Or do you have that a favorite, was a challenge? That okay. was probably like that was a big okay. Re- real quick, best challenge. show. Real quick, best best gig, worst gig, go. 
Oh my God. So I've had so many good ones. Yeah. Um, one comes to mind where there used to be this wine bar in downtown Littleton. And unfortunately it's closed now, but mm-hmm. when they were open, it was called Legacy Vineyards. Mm-hmm. And Carrie and I, it was when we were performing as a duo in between finding Chedzilla as our drummer and after our first drummer had moved away. We just kind of got in with them. I just walked in there one day and was like, hey, you know, I think I think actually my friend had uh, gone there for a glass of wine and she said, oh, do you ever have live music? And she was like, my, I'm going to tell my friend to call you. And she gave me their card and they were just so laid back. And we started going there like once a month, like the last Friday of the month. And we ended up getting like a bit of a fan base, which kind of relates to what we were just talking about, yeah. of people who were coming back to see us. And that had really never happened to me before. I'd never played anywhere consistently enough to get those um, consistent uh, people who didn't know me personally coming back. And it was just a fun venue because it was small, so it was easy to fill the house. And there was one night in particular, the last night we played there before they let me know they were closing down. And it, I think it was Carrie's birthday, and we were just making friends with everybody. We were telling fun stories behind our songs, and people were dancing and like, like seriously like stomping when we played a song That's by awesome. the lumineers and nice. it just had the right vibe and i yeah. i fortunately i'm fortunate to have a lot of stories that sort of end that way where it just yeah. felt like a big old party that's cool yeah but those were some of the best ones for okay. sure that yeah well i don't want to top your uh <laughs> your flying your throat story but is there one in particular that you can think of like oh my gosh you know, honestly, I for a while there, I was um, saying yes to quite a number of children's birthday parties. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, yeah, I was already doing like yeah, shows sure. at daycares or like coming sure. into the preschool and being like the music lady. Yeah. I love, I love doing that. But once in a while, you get booked for a birthday party where usually it's lovely. Usually yeah. the parents are all about making sure like the kids are listening or that sure, I'm comfortable. Sure. But I was doing a show once where like, um, it was just uncomfortable where like I could tell like none, none of the parents were listening. They were all talking super loudly and I didn't have amplification. Mm-hmm. And I think the kids were kind of like just um, really rambunctious. I didn't really know what to do with them. I knew I didn't really have their attention and they were like um, just being really rough on the instruments I brought. And I oh, just left there no. thinking like, Ooh, like this was yeah, maybe not, this not worth the money. Unfortunately, <laughs> like it was, because I had to sing so loudly, I yeah, sort of strained yeah. my voice a little bit. I was like, I really need to like know the parents before I say yes. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> this is good. This is a good segue to the next thing. So, what is a, a lesson that you would give to the next small time songwriter, or like somebody that you know, the people that do listen to this podcast? Not very many people, but enough. Um, the people mm-hmm. that do listen, um, the feedback that I get is they're on these particular like two stages of their career they're the ones that are either um not established and working their way through it for the first time or they are established but they're working through um how to connect with an audience for the first time so they're talented they have the songs written they have the albums written and and they're performing but they're just not getting that last little bit that little click you know so um i think one of the things that both those people can benefit from is hearing from people that are a little more established and intentional what i love about you and your music is that you're oh, thank you. and, and also about your the way you approach your your art is you're very intentional you're very like i, I can really vibe with that because i'm a very intentional artist myself so you're very intentional not just on the artistic end but like on the business end on the like i have my kids i have my family i have my work i'm going to do this kind of gig when i want to do this kind of gig and it's going to yeah. be 
this kind of system. I'm going to play the the free entry gigs when I want to, and I'm going to do. I'm going to sell the ticket like once or twice a year when I want exactly, to. Exactly right, because so, it's too stressful to. Yeah, exactly. Do more you than like that understand. <laughs> you understand the balance of it. So, what yeah. is it? If you could think on well, your illustrious I, career, what oh, what is a so lesson? Sweet. What is a I, lesson? I would say the the very first thing that I would say that I actually need to hear myself is anything you're doing is better than nothing so mm, like i could have made the choice you know when i when i had my kids i got super busy i I'm fortunate to be a music teacher, so I don't have to gig for an income. Um, my drummer has said, like, well, any gig is fine when you're just trying to not be a janitor. You know, if, they, if you don't want to <laughs> yeah. be, it's perfectly yeah. fine. If, yeah. if you if you like the day job that's being a janitor, you right. want a gig. Yeah, but totally. he's like, this is cute. This like he what he was saying is, I'm not qualified to do anything but this. So I will take. There was a time in his life when he had to say yes to any gig. So yeah. if you're fortunate, I'm like that to too. Be, yeah. Yeah, if, if you're fortunate to be busy enough that you can be choosy about the gigs and maybe your life is such that like you're doing it as a hobby or a side project and you're so busy, you're so burnt out, just doing absolutely anything that fits your life is better than putting it completely aside and forgetting about it for 10 years. Like Great. it goes by so fast. Yeah. So I could I could beat myself up and say, you know what? this is really hard. I'm still struggling to sell 50 tickets to any given show. I have to yeah. work so hard. And I've been at this for, you know, 20 years. Like, I, I wish I were further ahead. But the, the truth is that it, it's, it's never going to be the center of my life. My children are the center of my life. And, yeah. and, and fortunately, I'm able to do a lot of creative projects that sort of mesh with being, you know, a very present parent. Sure. But I, I and I and and get to teach and feel creative. But had I decided, like, I'm just going to put my guitar in the closet for a couple years, mm -hmm. it's so much harder <laughs> to get back into it yeah. than to just keep going and doing baby steps. And the baby steps add up. Like yeah. in the ten years since I've had my first daughter, that's when. When I was able to make these connections and and help build this band and write mm -hmm. these songs we wouldn't have any of these songs and like we were able to produce uh three studio or almost three and it's two and a half because we're not done with the third right, right, right. soon I will be able to say that we produced three full-length studio albums just by taking baby steps just one yeah. hour here two hours there yeah and that's really like that's something I can be proud of yeah so yeah. if people are at home and they're thinking like don't focus on what you haven't done. Give yourself props for what you have done. Yeah. And like, even if like, I tell my students this all the time, because I get to work with students who like, took a, who, who, like my favorite student is the kind of student who's always wanted to become a singer or a guitar player. Sure. And they waited their whole life to get to it. So I right. work with a lot of retired adults who can yeah. come see me in the daytime. I love working with them. So I'm like, good for you. Cause it would have been so easy to just never do it. So mm -hmm. I don't know if, if that's inspiring that's for the listeners. No, I think that's great advice. I think that's great advice. Going. Yeah. yeah. And any, any little thing is, is better than the nothing, you know? Yeah. I, I tell my I students, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. last, last metaphor is I love this metaphor that I came up with one day and it's that my students talk about how like, oh, I don't have time to practice. And I just say, get that guitar in your hands and just play one song and put it away. And yeah. if you can't, if, and you'll be surprised, you may make time for two or three songs because you're having fun. Yeah. But I say, don't just put it away. Because like, if you had to paint 
a, a whole room, but you were only, you only had five minutes a day to work on it and like get yeah. out, like keep the wet paint in a plastic bag so yeah. it's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Like keep, keep primed, but like take out that brush and make one little brush stroke every day. Yeah. And like, you will find that that room is going to get painted eventually. But yeah. if you, if you just say, I don't have time to paint today. I don't have time to paint. I don't have time to paint. That room will never get painted. Yeah. So I like, I like visual I like that. metaphors. That's great. That's a great metaphor. Yeah, so yeah. I say, give me, give me five minutes. Just give me one brush stroke. And yeah, I promise I mean, you'll, you'll get closer one, to your goals. Something that I've learned uh, doing this podcast for a while, interviewing my friends and all that, is um, when I first started, I was just trying to figure out like what I was wanting to do after taking a break from being a songwriter, performer kind of person. And um, the the thing that I always hear whenever I ask this question, like, what is your advice? It always kind of comes down to that. It comes down to um, that sort of thing of like, you can't, you can't let it go. You just have to just kind of do what you can and how, how however you can do it. And I started uh, coming up with this own conclusion of mine with, if I could tell anybody from all my experiences and talking to my friends with all their experiences, I would say like the thing is with, with this choice to do art and to tell your story or to tell a story or give a particular mm -hmm. message to an audience. Um, what I've come to is just sort of, uh, uh, you know, it's a lot like uh, mental health in the way of like, mm. you just have to be, um, you have to keep trying. You have to mm -hmm. be accountable for yourself. You have to be truthful with yourself mm -hmm. and you have to just put in the work every day, all the time, little by little, you know, and, yeah. and, and you don't Even have if to, it's hard. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, but the great thing is like, there's no right amount to put in the bucket every day. You just put right. something in the bucket, you know, it could yeah. just be like right now I'm, you know, I'm talking to you. So this counts. And then I'll, tomorrow yes. I'll, I'll work on my record and that counts. And absolutely. You know, so, yes. Talking to your friends about your creative yeah, aspects, that counts. Like pursuits, yeah. absolutely counts. Yeah. Cause it and, keeps everything fresh for you. And it yeah. Gives yeah. I mean, just, and you know, restringing yeah, the guitar counts you know those kinds of things it honestly does any yeah, yeah it really does yeah yeah it's, it's well, amazing yeah, yeah it's good i think um you know uh because i know the difference when you don't do it because when you don't do it you're kind of everything in life is still happening but you're just slightly more miserable because you're not yeah. able to be the artist that you want you know absolutely because uh, everybody friend, coming here is is yeah. doing it because they feel like they have that story to tell. Right, right, right. Yes. And, and uh, like my buddy William Wallace, uh, he just uh, started uh, sobriety recently, and, or mm -hmm. semi-recently, and I resonate with that because I'm a sober guy too. And and uh, one of the things he said was, when, you're, when you finally get sober and you understand what life is like when you're sober, um, and this is only if you have a problem, right? But mm -hmm. if you it, when you finally start your life as a sober person, you realize how much life has been on like the hard mode of a video game <laughs> where everything was just on difficult and you didn't know yeah. until you got oh. sober and you realize like, Oh, all of these obstacles are pretty easy to get through. You know, they're, they're oh, once that's you, really beautiful. you know, and I, th I was I, worried you were going to say almost the opposite. <laughs> so well, <laughs> I'm really glad that that's the case. Like, well, I'm sure easier. it's like, it's like that at first, but then as yes. you become, strengthened by your by your position you start to feel uh things are just the way they are and they're supposed to be that way and you i feel yeah. that way too like i feel that about songwriting and being an artist is you end up in the situation where if you stop doing it the world gets harder you know yes and, everything goes on difficult mode because yeah, yeah. you're not feeding that inner artist that yeah, needs to be yeah. creative and speak and be heard and connect yeah. 
Well, this was a great conversation. I know you got a oh. class you got to get to. Yes, uh, I do. I'm glad I really got to get to know you this time, for, or at least the artist mode of you. And um, Thank you. we will hang out soon. Um, is there anything you need to plug? Um, I know you don't do oh, social yeah. media much, but maybe, you should plug your social media and stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe um, if people want to listen to our music, all our links are available on my website, our website. It's just www.com. DebraSolo.com and Debra is D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Solo is S-O-L-O. And from there, you can link to us on Instagram, Facebook. You can watch videos on YouTube. We have um, some fun videos on there. And I even have some descriptions of the books that I've been querying. Oh, cool, if you want cool, to read, cool. read the little like back jacket copy of what I, awesome. how I sell it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, are you going to be publishing? Are you going to be doing your own publishing on that? Are you just going to go like the book? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna hold out and okay. see if I can get an agent to pursue traditional publishing. Yeah, which means like one of the big five publishers. That's my dream. So I feel like I've got the time. You and got the focus. Every yeah. year that I keep getting these no's, I'm just getting stronger as a writer. That's so good. it's okay. actually a blessing in disguise because then it's like by the time I get that yes and we get the green light, that <laughs> yeah. book will be like That's the best awesome. book I've ever written. Okay, hopefully. great. So I'll just keep working. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um I was gonna ask you about the social media thing because I was thinking like you have it's interesting how you um your relationship with it only because uh, you don't um, you have you have a lot of uh, assets that other people don't have. Like you have oh thank you. You have a lot of songs that you that are well written. You're a good performer. You have your band that's really supportive of you. But you also have like literally a space to work out of. You have all these rehearsal rooms. You have the equipment. <laughs> oh, I'm really lucky. It's like thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. But I, I wonder. Am lucky. But it makes me wonder um, why have you not leaned into that those assets i think because it drains me i think it drains me to try to get on there and it it drains me to have to focus on like like reaching out to strangers and be like hey do you like me do you like me (laughs) but i think you know talking to you has inspired me because i think if i if i just do five minutes a day or one little brush stroke there you go maybe i I could become a social media mogul yeah and it would help me with my author career and music career (laughs) so this has inspired me because i'm like maybe i need to I don't know, maybe I got to pick your brain and see if you teach any classes on social media. I definitely but. don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm an idiot with that. All right, well, I, I do have a You do have to go. You do have to go. Here, so but but yeah, the one paintbrush at a time. Thank you so much. Yeah, All right. I need to do that myself. Take my own advice. All right, see you. Have a good one. Back to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Yeah.